This is an ABC podcast. Do you have a favourite place that's been affected by the extreme weather that's hit Australia over these past couple of years? For me personally, I watched the bushland around my home in Brisbane wither and parch a few years ago and our tanks ran out of water. Then this year we've been cut off by floodwaters at least three or four times in just a couple of months. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Occam's Razor, a soapbox for science. And this week we're hearing from Barbara Norman, who has her own special place that's been hit hard by climate change. But luckily, Barbara is an expert in urban and regional planning and she has ideas on how we can plan better to adapt to climate change. Normally, as an extended family, we would have been heading to Malakuta for New Year's Eve, as we have many times to our much-loved mud-brick cottage over four generations. However, having visited the region late October 2019, I advised the family that the risk was too high that coming summer due to the extreme fire rating. And so on New Year's Eve 2019, I was with family at Shoreham in Victoria, watching like many the destruction of over 150 dwellings in a resident population of only just 1,000 people. We lost our place too. I share this because it seems that we forget too quickly the loss and trauma from the extreme events we have experienced in recent years. The prolonged drought, the Australian bushfires and pervasive smoke, the floods of 2022 in Lismore and the Northern Rivers and southeast Queensland being the latest example. These events have touched nearly every Australian, either directly or we know someone. And with the overall layer of COVID, this has left many communities exhausted and worried about their future. We must do better. Let not ever allow new homes to be built under the guise of helping ease the affordability crisis on lands which are known to be flood prone. The scientific community has much to share in building a sustainable future. I led a study in 2012-13, funded nationally at the time, with a great team from universities of Canberra, ANU and Wollongong, working together with the nine councils from Wollongong to Lakes Entrance, Climate Urban Futures. This covered the same area that was burnt during the Black Summer. Our recommendation developed by a multidisciplinary team, climate science, health, the arts, urban planning and social economics were prescient in predicting the subsequent fires. This was one of many projects funded by the National Climate Change Adaptation Research Facility, working directly with communities in developing future adaptation pathways. So what's happened since? The defunding of the National Adaptation Centre, the abolition of the Climate Commission, the defunding of adaptation research in CSIRO and Bureau of Meteorology and universities and practical programs for local councils. In my view, a systematic dismantling of many programs to assist local and regional communities to adapt to a changing climate. This has to change and urgently. And for those who think 2050 is far away, remember this. It is estimated that 90% of buildings today will still be here in 2050. In that sense, we are already there. We need plans now. On a lighter note, my great colleague and friend, Will Stephan, 
known to probably some of you, well-known climate scientist from ANU, and I separately presented the findings of our climate uh, urban futures research to a national forum, only to find people who attended our separate talks felt that we must have worked on different projects, which highlights the important points that we all bring different perspectives to complex problems, and these are important and valuable in developing more sustainable solutions. Climate scientists, built environment professionals, ecologists, health specialists, communities, and many more need to be involved in developing a climate resilient future for Australia. Some facts. It is estimated by the latest IPCC report with high confidence that approximately 3.3 to 3.6 billion people live in contexts that are highly vulnerable to climate change. Currently unsustainable development patterns are increasing exposure of ecosystems and people to climate hazards. So that's about half of the global population, which is currently around 7 billion. Climate-induced resettlement is a part of this scenario and our urban future. This mass movement of people, in my view, will be one of the biggest social changes experienced during the 21st century. It will also be very expensive, socially, economically and environmentally, if we do not plan for adaptation. The OECD estimates that by 2100, sea level rise induced floods are projected to affect 360 million people, generating 50 trillion US dollars in annual losses, which represents about 4% of global GDP. Climate-induced resettlement requires a dynamic and adaptive planning system that responds quickly to disaster. Community-based planning is central to developing these options, as well as new tools such as scenario planning, use of smart digital technology and cutting-edge research. There will also be a demand for new skills and ongoing professional development. In the growing number of cases where communities have recently moved, there have already been a couple of very important lessons. Involve everyone in the process and it takes time. Whether it's been a village in Alaska facing inundation following thawing permafrost and erosion, an island in Louisiana eroded to only 10% of its original landmass, or Grantham in Australia moving to higher ground following successive flooding. Similarly, in the Pacific Islands, there's an urgent need for research and collaboration for developing in-country adaptation plans. Again, I share an early lesson in my life. My family used to own the bookshop in Honiara, Solomon's Islands. You may have heard about them in the news lately. In my early 20s, I used to do the stock take, go scuba diving, and only as a brave young Australian does hosted dinners for the local leaders. It was a very peaceful place then and incredibly beautiful. I mention this because these personal relationships over years build trust and need to be nurtured. At the time, these communities really valued Radio Australia with the ABC. My stepfather, Professor Richard Downing, was chairman of the ABC during the Whitlam years and saw enormous value in Radio Australia connecting with our neighbours in the region. If we are going to make a meaningful contribution to helping vulnerable communities to prepare for the impacts of climate change, this needs to be based on a long-term commitment to sharing knowledge, listening to the communities, and planning culturally sensitive and appropriate climate resilient futures. 
So coming back to Australia, we have a fair share of problems ahead, but we, with that always comes opportunities. We will experience an escalation of fire, floods and extreme events as predicted by our national science organisations. At the same time, we're expected to grow from 26 million to 40 million people by 2050. I would argue, as I have for some time, some decades, I would say, that we have no integrated plan for urban growth, for climate change adaptation, for sustainable regional development and for possible urban resettlement. Many questions. Where can we build? Where should we not build? How can communities become resilient and adapt to future climate change? What does this mean for our regional centres? National critical infrastructure, transport, housing, energy, water, biodiversity and much more. In sum, we lack a 21st century national plan for sustainable urban and regional development that protects our environment and provides a vibrant, productive future for everyone. Which brings me to the title of this talk, The Value of Planning for a More Sustainable Future, a national plan that connects the dots bringing together urban development plans for our cities and towns. Housing, transport, climate change, environment, healthy cities that provide critical guidance for private investment, more security to vulnerable communities, and provides clear evidence-based criteria for funding projects around this country. Managing future urban growth in a changing climate and a changing region, more broadly, will require a major investment in forward planning, funding for communities to prepare local adaptation plans, and a willingness for all of us to share our knowledge and experience with the neighbours, our neighbours, in, our, in the region. Indigenous communities, leadership and knowledge is fundamental in planning a more resilient future. Our science agencies and universities must be well funded to provide the critical data and analysis to feed into future planning. The value of planning is its ability to connect the dots, facilitate collaboration and co-design urban and regional futures while protecting our environment. If not convinced, then have a think of the alternative. The future of Australian cities and regions with no planning. Now that's a scenario I don't think any of us want for our future. Thank you. The value of planning. That was Barbara Norman, Professor of Urban and Regional Planning at the University of Canberra and visiting fellow at the Australian National University, speaking at our Occam's Razor live event at Smith's Alternative earlier this month. I'm Tegan Taylor, your Occam's Razor host, and I'm planning to bring you yet another Scientist's Insights next week. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.